ようございます。あまあ難しいな。It's good to be with you this morning. There's so much that I would like to share, but we would need a few more hours. What you saw in the video was bits and pieces of doors to whole worlds of ministry and relationships, and you, I know that you understand that.、Um, so today, as I share a message, and then、uh, I want to weave in just one story, and it's one you saw a lot in, in the video of Elijah. And one thing that Elijah's story points out is the power of one. So I have asked for Chloe and Amanda to help. And for the introduction, we're going to do somewhat of a dramatic reading. It may not be very dramatic, or maybe very dramatic. <laughs> We hope it's not too dramatic.、Um, it's called The Power of One. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth in one week. And so history, his story began. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Adam and Eve abandoned God with one choice. And sin began its reign on the earth. For all have sinned and fall, fall short of the glory of God. From that fateful day in the Garden of Eden until today, we choose self over sacrifice repeatedly, one person at a time. And we all suffer daily because of it. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark and you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. God called Noah to build one ark. And life began anew on the earth. When Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. God chose one ordinary man named Abraham. And a family of faith began. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God promised one Messiah. And hope blossomed in his people. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. On one night in Bethlehem, a Savior was born. And the shepherds rejoiced. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Jesus lived one perfect life on this earth, and gave us his righteousness. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus gave out one consistent invitation follow me. And he offered to make us disciple makers. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. Jesus died once on one cross and walked out of one grave. And took the sins of the world with him. Victory over death was complete. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God has one plan for the salvation of men. And faith is the foundation of his plan. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone about around him. And following, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Paul had one amazing day on the road to Damascus. And his life was forever changed. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the words of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. Paul shared one life-changing message. And the message still saves today. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The call that goes out to every person is to make one choice. And to follow one Savior. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope and be that belongs to you, to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Jesus is head of one church, united by one spirit, directing lives of praise and worship to one Father God. And we are all called to devote one life to his mission of reconciliation. There is power in one. You know, we've been praying for several years for an open door into the Filipino community. Just five minutes from our house, there is a, a dorm that houses anywhere from five to 25 Filipinos. And as we've come across them at different times, uh, we've met various ones and had short conversations, but we never found that man of peace. So we kept praying. Along the way, we heard about the Salom Home for Orphans and Widows in Southeast India, a church in our area, the one that Nathan Stratton uh, goes to, had started the orphanage many years ago, but the founding missionary started the church and then left it kind of unorganized, and there was a lot of work still to be done. So our desire to help came from two places. One, there's a real need in this orphanage. There are about 65 orphans and widows there at any given time. They raise a lot of their own food, so they need physical things like tractors and a working well to supply some of their food requirements. But at the same time, I was discipling Nathan toward being a pastor. 
I began meeting with him about 10 years ago, and we would meet every Saturday. And this was the start of what became our international men's group. And what you'll see as we go through this, the international men's group uh, now has Nathan is functioning as a pastor of this church. Uh, Jonathan Jellop is covering furlough for us. He's been in that group for eight years. And then Elijah has come out of that. And Elijah, this is Elijah's story that I'm telling now. I often prayed with Nathan about the need, uh, the need in the orphanage, the need in the church. But I had always been taught to consider that God may ask you to put wings on your prayers or maybe feet on your prayers. So began the KO 100. I began this process of preparing to run. Hopefully 100 miles was the goal across Kyushu. That's the island that we're on. I did that both to raise awareness and to show Nathan, as I worked with him, that sometimes you have to be more involved than just praying. What can you do where you are? So I began running. One day out running, I met Naroka and Andreas and Elijah. Well, Elijah is the son of a Baptist pastor in the Philippines. And his dad is very evangelistic. His dad has started two churches in the Philippines. But one of the things that I learned about his dad, I, I believe he's, he's sincere, and he's, he's a vibrant, alive believer, but he has not really been a disciple maker. One of the things that they've struggled with is pastors for these other churches. And Elijah had never been worked with at all. So when I invited Elijah to meet with me, uh, he was really excited. He had made poor choices in high school and college. Uh, he recognized that. He graduated from Western Philippines University with a degree in criminology, planning to go back and be a, a police officer. But he failed the interest exam. And for him, that was, that was devastating. This is what his life had been moving toward. His uncle was a police officer, and this was uh, one of the better jobs available for him to stay in Palawan. But that one test changed his direction. And Elijah's a smart guy. Uh, Elijah came to Japan in 2020 to take a break, reset, and go back to take this interest exam. Well, I met him on the side of a mountain in March of 2020. I was going up, and Naroka, Andreas, and Elijah were coming down. <laughs> so... We had a conversation. It was really interesting because Naroka, Andreas, and Elijah were standing there, and Elijah's kind of in the back. He was the new guy. Naroka had been there for like three or four years. Andreas, probably two or three years. Elijah was standing in the back, letting the older people talk to the foreigner. I'm going up the mountain. Started talking to Naroka. And he said, you know, how long have you been here? Oh, yeah, we've been here for how many years? Um, said, yeah, I'm, I'm a missionary, and Elijah takes a step forward. And uh, said, yeah, we're working here in, in Kumoto, and, you know, been here for this many years, and it's kind of some of the details of what we've been doing. And then Elijah kind of piped up and said, what, you know, what kind of church? I said, well, we're, we're Baptist. And he took another step forward. <laughs> and by the end of the conversation, Elijah's in the front, the other two in the back, and I'm talking to Elijah. And Elijah said, I've been praying for God to lead me to a church. And the fact that we had an international church that he could go to, uh, because he didn't speak Japanese, uh, he was really, really excited. So we started meeting. Cameron and Elijah became our only two students during the COVID pandemic for the Kumoto Bible School. 
So for the next two years, Cameron and Elijah met every week going through uh, basic doctrine, uh, going through the, the foundations of the faith. So in early 2021, jumping forward, Elijah said, you know, now I understand why God brought me here. If I had passed that police academy entrance exam, I would never have come to Japan. I would never have met you. I would never have begun studying the Bible like this. And I want to serve God with my life. So Elijah began at that time praying and preparing to be either a pastor or a missionary. And the longer he's been in Japan, the more he's seen the opportunity and the need for an international missionary, someone who speaks Japanese enough to live, but really ministers in other languages, English, Tagalog, uh, there are a lot of Chinese, uh, there are multiple other languages where there is a need for someone who can reach out into these communities. So Elijah took the message to heart when I said, begin where you are. So Elijah started Bible studies in each of two dorms that his company owns. And I assisted occasionally, but my primary role was to equip Elijah to prepare him to do the work. He studied doctrine, foundations of disciple-making, how to lead small groups, and even basic homiletics. So Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Equipping Elijah has been a fruitful ministry. As, as Elijah gained confidence in ministry, he grew in Christ-likeness. We saw changes in his life. One of them was in his passion to go to his Filipino co-workers and just beg them, beg them to open the Bible with him. He shared his testimony. He shared his life with him on a daily basis. In late 2021, his friend and co-worker, Eric, accepted Jesus as his Savior. So in the video, Elijah baptized Eric in November 2021. And since that time, Elijah has been oh so faithful. He will introduce Eric to any Christian as, this is Eric, he's my disciple. He pours into Eric's life. And I mean, Elijah is an in-your-face disciple maker. And I think that's part of their culture, but... He will show up at Eric's dorm. Have you done your devotions yet? What did you read? What did you learn today? How are you going to apply that? Have you prayed? You haven't prayed? Let's pray. <laughs> he is right there walking with Eric. So Eric is growing up as a believer with someone who is walking him through. How do you read your Bible? How do you study? There's an expectation that you apply this to your life and that you grow and that you change and that you share this with somebody else. That's Eric's normal I think that should be all of our normal. One of the cool things uh, in our church in, I don't know exactly when it was, it's probably in late 2021, we began journaling as a church. We challenged everyone to do a very simple form of journaling. And a group decides probably some of you are struggling to read your Bible consistently. And that's always something every pastor, every missionary, any mature believer is going to constantly challenge you. There are really three things that you have to be really, really consistent at if you're really going to grow. One is time talking to God, one is time in God's Word, and one is time with God's family. You have to have those. That's just like, that's the basis 
from which you're going to grow. So what we began doing was journaling in a way that we combined all three of those. So here's a very simple uh, process. If, you, if you're struggling, you need something to do, I highly recommend this if you can find a small group to do it with. We said, start with prayer. You're opening the conversation. I invite you to see your devotion, see your time in God's word as a conversation with God. So start the conversation by, God, I'm about to open your word. Help me to understand it and see what you have for me today. Help me to see you. It can be that short. Then open your Bible to read it, and I encourage you, if you do not have it, have a plan. There are thousands of plans available on the internet. I'm sure that your pastors here can give you a simple plan. Have a plan. Even if the plan is just pick a book and start reading through it and read through the whole book day by day. Have a plan. So when you get started, know where you're going to read. Uh, one of the illustrations I often use, you know, I, I ran this KL100, and if you want to know the truth, I hate running. And people hear that and say, well, you ran, you know, 83 miles in this run. Yeah, and every one of them I hated. <laughs> it's very painful to run. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of the easiest exercises. I do it because I believe it's good stewardship, but I don't like running. So how do I make myself run? Particularly during this time when I would get up, and I remember one day getting up, getting dressed, going out the door, and students said, well, how far are you running today? And I can't believe these words came out of my mouth. I said, only 28 miles. With just serious as a heart attack, I wasn't even thinking about it, not joking. Yeah, it's only 28 miles. I'll be back soon. Did I just say that? <laughs> Wait a minute, a marathon's only like 26. I'm insane. <laughs> How do I do that? Well, by setting myself up to succeed. And this is what I encourage you to do with your Bible study. So to set myself up to succeed in exercise, what I would do is the night before, I would take my shoes and put them there. And on top of my shoes, I would put my socks. And on top of my socks, I would put my running shorts. On top of my running shorts, I would put my T-shirt. And I also have on the kitchen table my water bottle. I would have my watch. have everything that I needed setting out where I will have to avoid my preparation to get out of bed. <laughs> I encourage you in your spiritual life to do the same thing. Because we're all human, we're all weak, we're all going to want to make selfish choices and do other things. Set yourself up to succeed. That means have a plan for your Bible study. Have a time. Have everything ready. Have your Bible and a notebook and pen and your coffee maker on and ready. If, if you need that, I might need that. <laughs> Be ready. Make it where it's easy for you to get started in that process. As easy as possible. Prepare ahead of time. Have a consistent time, consistent place, and know what you're going to do when you sit down. So you don't waste the first 10 minutes going, I wonder what I should read today in this particular. That's not a good way to do it. You're going to be inconsistent if you do that. So have a plan and work your plan. So pray, open your Bible, read what you've planned to read. And then the next step is one that I think is really, really important. Spend some time meditating on it, thinking about it. You know, we are uh, human made in the image of God. One thing that that means is that we have intellect, that we have creativity, that we have a will. So apply that to Scripture. Sit down, think about it, read it, and then go through it and process it. You have, you have the ability to think. You have the ability to be creative. You have the ability to understand. Reason through. Think about Meditate on it. Chew on the, that verse. What does it say? What are the verses before it leading up to the key verses? Most of the time when you read, a verse or two, a short passage is going to stand out. as, Oh, that's good. That, that hits me where I'm at. I, I need to learn something. Or it's going to hit. That's bad. I need to change. 
Whatever it is, recognize that. And that passage, really, you want to chew on that. You want to stay on that and say, why is it that that stood out to me? Do I need to change something in my life? Is God speaking to me, telling me that I need to make different choices? Spend that time thinking about it and use your creativity to think about how do I apply this in my life? What changes do I need to make? Examine your life. Examine the scriptures. See, do they line up? Spend that time. You know, when I was in, particularly in high school, I remember, our church would give out a read the Bible through in a year, um, I don't know, little insert, Bible insert. And I would do that. But for me and my personality, I'm very goal-oriented. So you give me this list with check boxes, and my understanding was check off the boxes. So I could read my Bible, check off the box, I'm done. And I'd read through the Bible in a year. It's like, yeah, have you read through the Bible? Of course. It was easy. You just, it's only time. You sit down, you got 10 or 15 minutes a day, and you're done. Check off the box. Don't do that. <laughs> that is not the way you're to approach God's Word. The, the better approach is to think about, uh, when I was in uh, early, in early college, maybe it was late high school, had a girlfriend that lived far away from me. So we would write letters. Have you ever received a letter from a girlfriend or boyfriend? How did you read that letter? How many times did you read that letter in the first five minutes that you got it? <laughs> You'd pour over that letter and look for details. And what do they mean by that? And how am I going to respond? You have to, you have to write a letter back. You just received one. That's how you want to read God's word. You want to spend that time and say, hey, this, this letter is important. This is valuable. I want to spend some time with it. So don't rush through it and check off a box. Spend your time. Think about it. Let God's word work into you. Then, once you've taken this time thinking about this passage, you should come away with, with an application for you, something that you need to change, something that you need to learn and grow in this area. And that's really what you're going to write in your journal. Write down the one key verse and write down that one takeaway. Because every passage, if you read enough, I mean, there's like a million takeaways you could have in there. But you want to find the one that you're actually going to make efforts on. You're, you can't change everything today. We understand that. You know, you, you come to church and you get message after message. You go to Sunday school, you read your Bible. You get Every week, you're going to get a lot of different things in, coming into your life from God's Word. And say, hey, I need to change this. Pick that one, write it down. Write down the one verse, write down that one key takeaway. And then take that back to God. Say, God, thank you first for, for meeting me, for, for teaching me, for giving me your word, for helping me to understand it, for seeing this thing that I need to apply in my life. And God, help me now to have the courage and the boldness to live it out every day. And you've written it down, so one of the valuable things in doing this is that you can refer back to that. I know for me, as I uh, journal like this, some days you have, yeah, I'm just having a bad day. And you go back and flip through your journal and you say, you know what, God has worked with me and in, in, in me. God has encouraged me in the past. And what you find is that your, your former self from last week, from last month, is encouraging you today. That's super valuable to review the lessons. You have them there to review and remind yourself God is working in your life. So pray about it. Thank God for it. And make the commitment to live it out. But then that's where most devotional programs and journaling ends. And what we found is that's not really sufficient because we are to live the Christian life in community. So the last thing that we added to our journaling is you need to share that with somebody. 
So what we encourage everyone to do is if you're married, share it with your wife. That's the easiest. That's a good place to begin. If you, if you find it uncomfortable to have uh, gospel conversations, to have Bible conversations, start talking about it to your husband or wife. If you can't do that, uh, marriage counseling is probably a good idea, and you can talk to Pastor Will after service. <laughs> if you're a kid, you have parents, tell your parents, tell your siblings. Now, if you're a parent, tell your kids. You have Christians you meet throughout the week. You have something that's really impacted you this week in your, in your devotion, your time with God. Share that with them. Say, hey, I was reading this week in this. This is really encouraging. Will you pray for me as I apply this in my life? You should be able to have that conversation with your church family. There's one other place that I found that this is really valuable. If you're doing this and you're genuinely really thinking about it, what you'll find is some of these things are on your mind throughout the day, and you meet someone that you know, you have a relationship with, but they're an unbeliever. It's amazing how often that I'm with somebody that's an unbeliever and I've been doing this and thinking about it and God brings up a way where, hey, you know, this actually sort of connects with what we're talking about. Can I just share with you something I read in the Bible this week? And because you've summarized it in your journal, you can do it in two or three minutes and not take a 10-minute sermon with somebody who may or may not be interested. You can see if this is an open door. Hey, I was reading my Bible this week, something that really encouraged me. Can I share it with you real quick? And you have an opportunity to share that. And sometimes... God uses that to open the door for the gospel, for a, for a good conversation. And sometimes the other person shuts that down. But you're there and available. When I, well, the way I describe this to our church is say, you need to knock on the door. It's not up to you to open it. Don't bulldoze the door down, but knock on it. Knock on a lot of doors. Say, hey, I was, I was reading this. This is really encouraging to me. Or God's teaching me something that's been helpful to me. So to share it, is the last part of this journaling that really, really makes this powerful. So what we do on, on Sunday nights with our international church is we take about 15 minutes and ask everybody what we call one verse, one thought, one minute. So you have one minute to share one thought from your devotions this week. Share one verse, read the verse, read your thought. You have one minute to do it. And one minute is enough to read the verse, read their thought, and expand on it a little bit. And what we found is over time, people are doing this and... Uh, you know, Marty shared a verse, and Keiko said, that was exactly what I needed to hear. It's so encouraging, and we're living out the one another's in community as we do this. We're encouraging one another. We're teaching one another. People are recognizing that when I read God's Word, it's not just for me. It's really valuable for my church family to share what God's teaching me. It's amazing how often we hear these conversations going on where, thank you for sharing that for me today, with uh, us today. I, I was really so encouraged by that. Uh, where was that reference again? I want to go and look at that myself. Those are conversations we need to have. So we try to intentionally put those in on Sunday nights. So as you read God's word, as God changes you, we understand God has a plan for us, and, and it involves other people. So 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says, Teach these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What are the things we're teaching? It's the things God's teaching you. You have to be learning. This assumes that you're learning. This is God's plan to reach the nations. This is his master plan of reconciliation, to change you and to, through you, change other people. There is no plan B. This is plan A. This is plan only. There's one plan. Elijah chose to follow Jesus, and his life was changed. As God worked in Elijah, 
God worked through Elijah. Eric met Jesus. Jesus has made Elijah a fisher of men. Elijah is teaching all that he knows to Eric and to others like him. This is the work of a disciple maker. This is the call that all of us have. One life changed by one gospel, repeated one by one. There's power in one. But Elijah's story hasn't ended. In 2021, Elijah began Christ's army ministries. You saw the, the graphic up there. He has a web page, uh, a Facebook page. There are currently 53 members of his uh, Facebook page from three churches in the Philippines. Elijah is doing his part to train up workers through Facebook, through online meetings, in addition to teaching a weekly Bible study in Tagalog on Sunday mornings in Kumamoto, Japan. Christ Army Ministries has started two children's outreaches in Palawan. One of the reasons they're doing this is because Elijah is training leaders, and they need to lead something. They need experience in ministry, so he's encouraged them to start ministry where there's not, where they see a need, and he supports them in that. So today, while we're on furlough, Elijah is meeting with Jonathan weekly for ongoing training and ministry support. Elijah is also helping with the music at New Life International. That's International Church. Uh, he is praying about full-time ministry as a missionary to internationals to Japan. If he can't do that, then he's prepared to go back to be a pastor uh, in the Philippines. I also ask you, invite you to pray with us. We're beginning the process of trying to get Elijah to Faith Baptist Theological Seminary in 2024. Pray for us. Pray for Elijah. Pray for workers in, in Japan. There's a great need. Uh, a lot of times we don't like to bring workers to the states for many different reasons, but Elijah's primary call at the moment, as far as we can tell, is to international ministry, which means the training that he can get in the Philippines is insufficient. It means he needs a little more, and I believe if he can come to faith for a year, that will be uh, enlightening to him for several ways. One of the problems coming to Japan, he's not going to get support to be a missionary in Japan from the Philippines. So he needs to meet churches here. One of my prayers, and I'll go ahead and throw this out there, we're planning to come back in 2024, Lord willing, to get him installed at faith. And I would love to bring him and have him uh, share and even preach if he could. Uh, but I would love for you guys to pray for him. I, I'm hoping that he'll come to church here so you can twist his arm. But uh, pray for Elijah. He has got great potential. He is the kind of guy, we, we need Japanese men like this. Everything that he has taken, he has passed on to somebody else. It, nothing stops with Elijah. If you give it to him, he figures out, who do I need to give this to? How can I give it to him? We need workers like that in every church, in every nation around the world. But today, as we close, what I want to ask you is to consider yourself. We know there's great power in one, one God, one Savior, one message. There's one church. We know there's great power in one life surrendered to Jesus. We have, uh, go read missionary biographies if you want to see the example, multiple example after example of the power in one life fully surrendered. I've given you some of Elijah's story and it's just amazing to me. You know, if I, if I do nothing else for the rest of my life but pour into Elijah, I think that's a life worth living because, man, Elijah's doing the work. But the question is, you have one life. That's all you've got. There are no do-overs. You've got one life. And at the end of your life, 
you will stand before one God. And you'll give an account for how you used your one life. If you're in this church and you've been here more than once, I'm sure that you've heard the gospel. You will have to answer for how you have responded to the gospel. You have one life. The question all of us have to answer is how will you use it? Let's pray. God, this morning I just want to thank you for the opportunity we have together. And as we've gone through all of these verses, starting in Genesis, going through and seeing how you have used uh, men who have responded to you, who have given their lives to you, and you have glorified yourself in their life. God, as I shared Elijah's story, and we see how Elijah was gloriously changed from a life of selfishness to a life where Jesus is on the throne, very clearly on the throne. God, I pray that you would continue that work in his life. But God, as we're looking at these men and women throughout Scripture who have responded to you, throughout history, the the missionaries who have responded to you, the pastors, the, the workers throughout the world who have given their life to you. We can read those and be satisfied. Look, the work is being done. Look at that person. Look how good they're doing. But God, all of us have to answer directly to you. We have to answer for ourselves. We can't answer for someone else. God, I pray this morning that each one of us would examine our hearts, that we would look at you, We would recognize that you have given us one call to love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To go through life as disciple makers. How will we answer? God, I pray that you would draw us to yourself and that the answer would be a resounding, I will follow you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.